Don't you know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin or of God and righteousness. That's his thesis. This matter of slavery, I, I know it kind of shocks us to hear the language. Because we think in terms of slavery as being so negative, and of course it is terribly evil to anything or anyone other than our Creator. But when we're slaves of God, there is freedom. The apostles, they never tired of using this term to describe themselves. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Two Slaveries. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Well, if you've been with us, you know that uh, Romans 6, Paul is in the middle of his explanation and or argument for Christianity. And he's answering that common question that uh, he begins the chapter with. You know, if Christianity is all about grace, and it is, if Christianity is all about what God has done for us, and He has explained that so thoroughly in the first five chapters of this book, we had nothing to offer Him, and He lavished His grace on us. If Christianity is all about grace, then does sin really matter? I mean, in fact... Look where he ended chapter 5, verse 20. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Our sin will one day glorify God in the sense that He's the one who washed it away. In fact, we just sang about it, didn't we? I was thinking about it as we sang songs of praise and the fact that He cleansed us of our sin. So maybe, in fact, if sin increases, grace abounds all the more. What then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? Maybe sin is somehow beneficial for a believer. Now, whose voice is that? That's satanic thought. But it's very common, and it's very persuasive at times. I'll bet this week, in fact, I know this week, the liar has whispered in your ear, you ought to just sin a little bit. (laughs) Just toy with it. Dabble with it. Maybe do a little experiment as if nobody's ever experimented before. Got to rerun that one. <laughs> but he's always working on us. And I know through this next week, he will too. He'd love to trap us up in sin. And he'll suggest that maybe sin is beneficial. Maybe we ought to continue in sin that grace might increase. And after all, God saves sinners and it doesn't matter how we live because we're not saved by how we live anyway. And on and on he'll come at it. And uh, he'll suggest that sin would make you happier, or it certainly wouldn't hurt you. And the whole of chapter 6 is to answer God's answer, no way. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? But you see, Satan is, uh, is relentless. He'll continue to come to us. And so we need to hear carefully what chapter 6 says. I was thinking about it. You know, the Bible pictures him a variety of ways, but uh, there's a certain lure that he uses. And Satan will try just about anything to trap us up in sin as Christians. And 
You know, he'll use, sometimes the lure can be real flashy like neon or something. And other times he'll just use outright sin and just try to grab us by the throat. You know, I was watching, we were down in California this past week, and I was watching a guy, several guys fishing off the, off the wharf there. And uh, they were using like neon signs for lures. I mean, the, at night you could see them glowing, these little plastic things, fluorescent. And then other times they'd be using things that looked detestable, you know, to me. But I guess that fish like both because they were catching on both kinds. And, you know, you think, why would they go for that stuff, this little fluorescent thing? But, you know, that's exactly the way we are, aren't we? We're prone to be lured in one time by neon and the next time by a worm or something. <laughs> something that we ought to realize is detestable, but we're caught up with it. And I want to look at chapter 6 with that in mind and uh, notice what he's already said. We've looked at it before, and I want you to just catch up with where we're at because we're going to pick it up at verse 15 and look at the balance of the chapter. But Paul says, what are we to continue in sin? May it never be, verse 2. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And he develops that thought for 10 verses. We have died to sin. We died when Christ died. When you put your faith in Christ, you're identified with Christ. You're dead, buried, and you're on resurrection ground. And we looked at that in detail. And he reiterated that time after time. He states it, and then... He reiterates it. And then he comes to the first real admonition of Romans. Verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You're not under law, you're under grace. Present yourselves to God. It's a foreshadowing, really, of uh, chapter 12, where he's going to come back to this very truth, to put ourselves at God's disposal. We're his. We've been bought with a price. And we're to put ourselves at his disposal. And so you can summarize, and in fact we did summarize the first 10, 11 verses there around those three words. He wants us to know something. He wants us to consider it so. And he wants us then to present ourselves to God. And that's the admonition. That's the first admonition, really, of Romans. And it's the main admonition of Romans, the main admonition of the Christian life. God has saved you. Put yourself at his disposal. You're His. That's what He wants. And this is not in spite of grace, but because of grace that He wants us to do this. Verse 14, He says it again. Sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The more you know of grace, the more you want to please Him, the more you want to live for Him, the more you really comprehend God's grace the more desire there is, the deeper the desire to live for Him. And that's why Romans keeps coming back to it time and time again. If we really grasp God's grace, 
then our desire will be to put ourselves at his disposal. And I want you to look, look at verse 13 again. Look at the phrase there in the middle of the, of the verse that is really w- w- what he said as far as what he wants. He says, present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You know, if you really get hold of that, and I maybe should put it this way, if we really proclaim that, immediately there'll be an objection. Put yourself at His disposal. Present yourself wholly to Him. Scott, that sounds like, that's demeaning. Just spend your whole life trying to please someone else? That sounds like slavery. You're talking slavery. And Paul spends the balance of the chapter saying exactly. Yes, I'm talking slavery, but no, it is not demeaning. In fact, the other alternative, and I might add the only other alternative, to being a slave to God, given over to Him, seeking to please Him and Him alone, the only other alternative is slavery to sin, bondage to sin, and you talk about demeaning, and you talk about enslavement, bondage and slavery to sin. And the Scripture says there's only two alternatives. You're either a slave to God or you're captured by sin. Now, I know there's uh, a lot of people that don't believe that because there's a lot of people being lied to by the master liar. And he's saying, no, you can be free, do your own thing. You can be free to live your own life. Do it your way. He's a liar. And you're either enslaved to God through Jesus Christ, or you are in bondage to sin. And uh, he's going to develop that. Now, basically what he's going to do in verses 15 through 23 is give us yet one more great reason to present ourselves to God. And it is this. You're never more free than when you are enslaved to God. Jesus Christ, the one who said, I always do the things that please the Father. The one who came to this earth to fulfill the Father's will. He died and rose again. The great deliverer, the great emancipator, the great Savior is the one who went to the cross for our sin. And we are in Christ We're identified with Him, and our life is to reflect His life. And you're never more free than when you are set free in Christ. If therefore the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed, Jesus said. And this whole chapter kind of lays the doctrinal undergirding for that So let's watch it together. Let me give you the structure just a bit to kind of uh, note, because it's interesting to me how his argument is structured, and and I think it helps us as Christians to understand where he's going with this and engage our minds and see it. So he asks the question, verse 1, are we to continue in sin? And then he answers it, no way. And then he reiterates it, and he says, why? And he gives us our union with Christ. Then he raises the question again, verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Same answer. May it never be. And then he reiterates it, and he gives us several explanations of why we should not 
sin. Should a Christian continue? Should a Christian ever sin? Need a Christian ever sin? No. No. No way, he says. And then he expounds it. Let me just read it, uh, and then we'll come back and take a look at it. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And I'm speaking in human terms, because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you're now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, his thesis is verse 16. Don't you know? He wants us to know something again, doesn't he? It's, it's very parallel to the first half of this chapter. Don't you know? And we do know these things. We ought to know these things. He told us these things. And so here's his thesis. Don't you know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin or of God and righteousness. That's all there is to it, he says. That's his thesis. And by the way, this matter of slavery, I, I know it kind of shocks us to hear the language because we think in terms of slavery as being so negative, and of course it is terribly evil to anything or anyone other than our Creator. But when we're slaves of God, there is freedom. You see, there's no disharmony between the Father and the Son, is there? There's no friction in the triunity of God. And Jesus is the one who said, I always do the things that please the Father. The apostles, they never tired of using this term to describe themselves. You know, I'm struck that when I read these epistles, they don't start by saying, I'm a fellow that realized the wisdom of following Christ. They say, I'm a slave of Christ. I'm a douloi, a doulos, a bondservant. Of Christ. James, Peter, Paul, Jude, they all used this term. And uh, listen to just a little bit of biblical perspective, just to kind of give a little framework. Uh, Corinthians 7.22 says, Paul's talking about slavery and freedom in, in the society at large. He says, some of you are slaves and you're called, some of you are free when you came to Christ. He says, that's so insignificant compared to what it means to know God. The ultimate thing, you know, like we talked about, the ultimate question isn't where you work 
or what your career is or whether you are in bondage here on earth or not. That's not the ultimate thing at all. The ultimate thing is how you stand in relationship to God. And so Paul says in Corinthians 7, he says, He who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. Or in, or in uh, Peter, 1 Peter 2, verse 16, Peter says, Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Act as free men, Christian. Don't use it, though, as a covering for evil. A lot of Christians do that. Well, I'm free. And then they go ahead and fall into chapter 6, verse 1. I'm free to sin. No, you're not. Don't use your so-called freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. That's where freedom is. Now, having said that, let's look at uh, verses 16 and following and just watch how these slaveries are described. Uh, The slavery to sin, look at it. When you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which brings bondage and misery and death, resulting in death. It may not happen overnight. Adam and Eve didn't die the moment they ate the fruit, at least physically. But all the mess of this world, all the heartache, all the misery, all the disease, all the oppression, every problem in life is a result of sin. And the final problem, death, that's where the one slavery leads. Or look at the second one, to God. Or of obedience results in life and joy and real freedom. Therefore, the Son shall set you free. You shall be free indeed. Now, Satan is the liar, as I've already mentioned. He'll lie about this issue. This is the central issue of the Christian life. He'll lie about this all the time. And, of course, he's not going to come up and say, here, I've got a bunch of lies for you. He is a skillful liar. Lies are meant to deceive And he is the deceiver. And so he says, no, you're free to sin. Or you're free to live in sin. Christ has set you free so you can sin. See, he can't, uh, he can't get your salvation from you if you've believed in Christ, if you've really been born again. Why? You're His, you're God's, but He can certainly try to ruin any kind of life that you'll have here for Christ. He can certainly try to ruin any kind of testimony, and He does constantly. He's constantly saying that it's okay, you can be free to sin. And of course, it's just a, it's just a variation on the same lie He'd worked on, He'd used on the whole race. You can be free from God. You can be free to do your, God knows that if you did that, why, uh, it would, you know, It'd be, uh, he's lying to you about this. He doesn't really tell you the truth. So go ahead, do it, Eve. And he's been lying ever since. And he lies about every issue of life. And in the Christian life, he's constantly saying that we can sin and experience freedom. Jesus said, on the other hand, right in that same passage where he said, I'll set you free and you'll be free indeed. 
He said, the one who practices sin, the one who commits sin, is the slave of sin. So uh, the, decept- the deceiver, he's constantly saying, no, you're free to sin. And Jesus says, no, when you sin, you're in bondage to sin. And often when a man is most enslaved to sin, he fancies himself free, at least for a while. And uh, that's a result of the deception of Satan himself. You watch people who are enslaved to lust, and they're constantly talking about their freedom. You watch people who are enslaved to greed, and they're constantly talking about their freedom to have this and that. And you'll even hear Christians who are increasingly bound up with materialism, constantly talking about, there's nothing wrong with this, and it's I'm free, and they're getting entangled further and further because they have a love of money instead of a love of God, a love of the things money can buy instead of a love of God. They have a love of pleasure. Well, there's nothing wrong with this pleasure or that pleasure. Listen, if it starts to take the place of God in your life, there's plenty wrong with it. And the more you yak about how there's no problem with it, the more you're showing how deceived you are. It's a deceptive thing. You know, deception, we've seen a lot of it in recent years, I suppose, more than ever in our public uh, figures. And it's so obvious how dangerous it is because people start to believe things that are the opposite of reality. And the deceiver himself starts to believe his deceptions. That's the way the Scripture says, being deceived and deceiving. And you watch liars and they become convinced of their own lies sometimes. It's a very dangerous thing, deception is. But Christ, He's the great deliverer from deception and sin. And uh, when a Christian finds himself really free is when he finds himself most closely bound to God. And you can turn that around. When you are most given over to pleasing God, you will experience, you will feel, you will actually know freedom in a way that you can't any other way. That's what he says in verse 16. That's his thesis. You can state it negatively. You can state it positively. The bondage to sin or the bondage to God, the slavery to righteousness that sets free. And when you and I give ourselves over to pleasing Him, when we say, my goal in life isn't to be happy, my goal in life is to please Him, to make Him happy, there is freedom in that. There is liberty The world doesn't know. In fact, the world laughs at it. The flesh laughs at it. The flesh will ridicule that thought. The flesh will argue against that. Young people, your desire in life is to get out there and get what you want. No. No, that leads to a bondage. You can't ever get enough of what you want, even if it's so-called good stuff. But you seek to make what He wants the priority of your life. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Two Slaveries, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. 
If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're thankful that you've chosen to listen to us on this station, and we invite you to downtownbible.org to download or listen to any past program or to subscribe to our daily podcast. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. There's a movement abroad in our generation that considers anything that holds to the form of teaching, holds to the scripture as legal. Nothing could be farther from Paul. We obey Christ because we're not under law, but under grace. And real freedom is in being obedient to the Scripture. Slavery to God. And it isn't the God of your imagination, I just do what He tells me to do. It's the God of the Scripture, I do what He tells me to do. Do you see the difference? I say it's a simple, simple life, the Christian life. I always have to say... When I say that, I don't mean easy. I mean simple. But we are new creatures in Christ, and we're to be obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which we've been committed. Having been freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Two Slaveries. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.